This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Good evening, Northwestern Sports Nation, wherever you may be. Welcome inside Edit Bay number two this evening of the beautiful McCormick Tribune Foundation Center for season three of Sports Voice After Dark. Very pleased to be joined by Max Gelman and Amit Malik, as always. I'm merely Will Greer. And today we have a pretty fun show. It's some men's basketball discussion, some early kind of NCAA tournament, will Northwestern make it or not banter. Then we're going to preview the NFL playoffs, also recap the college football playoff, other random bowl games, I suppose, and then get into the lightning round. And I suppose before we go any further, we need to find out how everyone's day has been so far on this Thursday, January 5th. Well, my name is Max, uh, if you haven't. Listen, this is my first time on this podcast. It's a great podcast. Um, I've had a, I've had a great day. It's third day of classes. Yeah. Uh, I had my first Thursday Tuesday classes because of the, sure. the staggered schedule. I uh, had my first Medill class of the quarter, three ten, as great. it is colloquially known. Sure. I butchered that word. Um, and an English class, which was also pretty cool. I'm just happy to be here, guys. Happy to be back in Evanston with everyone. Ready for some, some Big Ten basketball tonight. It's a good day. It is a good day. And it's a big day for Northwestern men's basketball with the 13-2 and surprise of definitely the conference, I'd say, maybe of the entire country up to this point. The Minnesota Golden Gophers coming in, a top-10 RPI team. You can't lean too much on RPI this stage of the season, but still impressive nonetheless that the Gophers have that number nine RPI rating. Max, got to ask you, how big is the game tonight against the Gophers? I am not a huge believer in Minnesota at, at this stage in the game. I would say it's a game Northwestern definitely shouldn't lose, but if they win, I don't think it would boost their chances that much of actually or improving their resume. I mean, sure, Minnesota has lost only two games, um, but they didn't play anyone in the non-con schedule, pretty much. And they lost to Michigan State without their best player. They did beat Purdue earlier this week, which I would, is a very impressive win in of itself. But Purdue isn't the Purdue of yesteryear. No A.J. Hammonds, sure. basically. Sure. Um, I am basically saying that uh, Northwestern definitely needs to win tonight because a loss would really hurt their chances, but if they win, it's not really going to matter that much. Just got to take care of business at home, that kind of feel. I feel like that puts the pressure on the Wildcats, you know. Minnesota's come in, they've got nothing to lose. They've been the plucky underdogs all year, and they can keep doing that. Kind of dangerous. Sure, yeah. I disagree a little bit with you, Max, just a little bit. I do think Minnesota's overrated. There's no way they're a top 10 team. Not that RPI an RPI rating of 9 doesn't necessarily mean that they're a top 10 team. It means that they've scheduled well. And they have scheduled really well. You look at their wins and none really jump out to you in the non-conference, but then you look at their non-conference strength of schedule and it's number 12 in the country. And the reason for that, essentially, at least from what I've gathered, is that they didn't play any really bad teams like Northwestern does seemingly every year. They only have a couple games against teams with RPIs in the 200s and higher. They have no games against RPIs in the 300s. They have a couple top 50 RPI wins. They have five or four RPI wins between 51 
and 100. A lot of quality wins. That win against Purdue last Sunday kind of cements for me that this team is for real, and I didn't want to believe it. I really don't like Richard Pitino. I'm not a Minnesota guy at all, I promise, despite being a big Timberwolves fan. But I truly am starting to believe that this team is legit, and this definitely a chance for Northwestern to pick up, at the very least, an RPI top 50 win, which could be the difference getting into the tournament come March. It's a so, big game. So you're looking at RPI non-conference strength of schedule? Yes. Okay. I'm looking at Ken Palm right now. Let's hear it. And Ken Palm, non-conference strength of schedule for Minnesota. I believe, if I'm using this website correctly, non-conference strength of schedule for Minnesota is 174, which is about as middle of the pack as you can get mm -hmm. in terms of how many college basketball teams there actually are. I'm not saying that Northwestern's is any better because their non-conference strength of schedule is 281. Um, so I'll give you that in terms of Northwestern schedules poorly every year. Um, had they beaten Butler and Notre Dame, I think we would be talking a bit differently. But the, the, the consistent games against Mississippi Valley State and, and the like are no help. But... Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of sabermetrics in baseball, and so even though I don't know a lot about college basketball, if I see sabermetrics in some other sport that I don't really know about, I would rather take their word for it than the RPI. Absolutely, and again, it is extremely early to be judging RPI as I've seemingly judged RPI here so far on the podcast. It really isn't that meaningful at this point. Talking more about something that's not that meaningful at this point, looking at Joe Lenardi's bracketology right now, he has Minnesota in as a 7 seed, Northwestern in as an 11 seed, and I hate to dwell on bracketology in early January, but I think that kind of shows you the magnitude of the game tonight. Northwestern is the underdog in that sense. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites in Las Vegas. This is a game on your home court that I think you need to win to pick up another one of those top 50 RPI wins, which, again... Committee looks at very closely. You have to have beaten the teams that are around your status in terms of getting into the NCAA tournament. And Minnesota Northwestern appear to me like pretty similar teams in the middle of the Big Ten. Northwestern, by the way, is sitting at an RPI of 49 right now. Which is really borderline. Yeah. Yeah, really borderline when you consider how many of those smaller conferences are getting in. That's right on the, the border, really. You want to be under 45. That kind of is that what guarantees you under 40? Doesn't guarantee you. Colorado State was at 29 two years ago, and they did not get in. That's different because okay. they play, obviously, not in a power conference in the Mountain West. But for a Big Ten team, you probably want to be low 40s at worst. Love the Mountain West. Love the Mountain Great West. Great conference. Yeah. Can't well, wait for a conference championship week. It's going to be good. Right before the selection Sunday. Yeah. One of my favorite weeks of the year. Yep. But, okay, so you talked about, you mentioned Northwestern. 49 in RPI. Lunardi has him as a 7 or 8 in his bracketology. What do the Wildcats need to do to make the tournament this year? Through the, Going through the schedule, by the time you're hearing this, this Minnesota game will probably already have been played, so you'll know a little more than we will right now, but just let's assume we beat Minnesota, just, just for now. If we lose, of course, it really, really hurts. Say we beat Minnesota, what do the Wildcats need to do to ensure they're playing in the dance? In my view, um, they would either have to, one, win the Big Ten tournament. Um, 
That's always an option. Option yeah. one. Always, option always one. an option. Win the Big Ten tournament. Um, two, they would they play. I believe I'm looking at the schedule right now. I believe six games total against Indiana, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Michigan. I would say to guarantee themselves a spot in that tournament, I would say they have to win three or four of those games. Because I'm s- the the non-conference strength of schedule is still a huge and then take black care mark on take care of business against everyone. Yeah, else. and take care of business against everyone else. Like you can't lose to Rutgers. There's gonna be a slip up at some point. You think? Yes. What is this? Where? What can the Wildcats do to minimize the, like the damage of that slip up? You gotta upset two teams that you're not supposed to beat if you're gonna and, have a slip up. And yeah. those two Which teams are Indiana, lose. Wisconsin, Purdue, right? And and, and Michigan, and Michigan too. That game at Welsh Ryan, by the way, this year, only one game against Michigan is at home. So only one big, game against Wisconsin, help. and it's on the road. Yeah. You have two with Indiana. Indiana's seemingly to me... So if you could split me, Indiana... They're seemingly going to figure whatever funk they're going through out, but right now they are not that good of a basketball team. Unfortunately, Northwestern plays them at the end of January and then at the end of February. So you figure at least by the end of February, with all the talent on that roster, they will be playing near their best basketball the time to beat them is on January 29th at Welsh Ryan. That could be the difference yeah. in getting into the tournament or and not. What, and what about Purdue? They see Purdue twice? They do see Purdue twice. I think they close the season Wait, against Purdue. This is the thing. If they could take a win from Purdue, a win from Indiana, and Michigan, they look real good. Mm-hmm. Real good chances. Yeah. Here's the problem with playing Purdue is that the foul trouble just seems like it'd be so much of an issue. Those guys, it's Haas and Swanning, and I just feel like Northwestern doesn't have the personnel to really match up with them. You said it. Not even foul trouble for yeah. me. It's, it's just dominant. You could have unlimited yeah. fouls, and you're not going to yeah. beat those guys. I mean, the the post production, as we knew going into the season, just not there for Northwestern. Even with getting Derek Pardon back, you're going to put Pardon and Benson on Haas and Swanigan. That's just not. Al- work. Alex Olaf couldn't even take take them. And he tried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but okay, so. You're saying the scenario, what it looks like, is they need to take care of business against all the lesser teams mm-hmm. and the teams around them. So that's Minnesota, Illinois, you know. Illinois, Teams yep. say that's a team around them. Nebraska, they and need to take Maryland. care of business. Against, and Maryland, yeah, so they need to beat all of them. And, then they and need I guess to, Iowa, too, but they're, they're not great this year again. Jared Utoff left, so... That's all I know about Iowa. Uh, it's true. Uh, it's true. <laughs> so, looking at the schedule, do you see potential trap games already for the oh, yeah. Wildcats? Oh, absolutely. Let, let, give give me some of them. I'll give you pretty much the entire schedule. You take the two games. <laughs> uh, the entire game I'm is not the entire no, schedule I, is a trap. I I, I I agree with you. Please continue. This is uh, like... the, the Big Ten this year. It's why we were just talking about it. Was it during the podcast or was it just before that there are like three or four teams right on the bubble right now? Again, yeah, it it's before, early, yeah. but there are so many mediocre teams in the Big Ten this year. Minnesota, I guess, is better than mediocre, but we expect them to be near mediocre. Nebraska, right on the bubble. Iowa, not on the bubble, but capable. Ohio State on the bubble. Illinois on the bubble. Maryland on the bubble. You play all these teams once, maybe twice in some of these cases. They're all trapped. They are yeah. all toss-up games. The only non-toss-up games on this schedule to me are, are the Rutgers. two with Rutgers, the two with Indiana, and the two with Purdue, and the one with Wisconsin. Northwestern favored against Rutgers twice. They're not going to be favored against Purdue, Indiana, and Wisconsin. 
every other game on this schedule can go could truly way. go either way. Yep. And that's kind of scary for Northwestern because you figure they're going to go near 500 in those ball games. That's why you have to win one or two games against and the now, Indianas and Wisconsin's of the world. I'm pretty sure Northwestern closes out its season at home against Purdue. Against Purdue, yep. March 5th. Is there a chance that that game could be make or break? Well, if they've lost, like, ten games Because they, they do have the Big Ten tournament to salvage. Yeah. Okay, so here's a scenario for you. I'm just, okay. I'm just thinking about this. Let's say they split with Indiana, lose two to Purdue, lose to Wisconsin, and beat Michigan. So they have two wins against, you know... Those four teams. Those four teams. Yeah. They take care of business against almost everyone. Let's say they lose to... Illinois. Illinois, sure. Hate to see that. What do they need to do in the Big Ten tournament to like if their if their resume isn't exactly there, like do they how many games do they need to win in the Big Ten tournament? Would that help them get in? Um, well, I'm assuming that Northwestern would have a first round by the tournament. Yes, first so they round play by. they'd start on the Thursday. I'd say they'd have to get to the semifinals. Two wins? Two wins. You hate that this is the reality. But what you do in your conference tournament is your lasting impression that the selection committee has. And so, to Max's point, if they were to win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, I think that would put them through, especially because you're probably going to be playing like an Iowa kind of team. Yeah, yeah and you, you especially can't lose on the first day because that would on be the one, of the, one of the 11 through 14 seeds. So yeah. you have to beat that to advance to the Friday to play one of the more top-ish tier teams yeah. of the tournament. Okay. It's going to so be close. It's going to be real close. Yeah. I think it's a... One of the most fascinating storylines we've had for men's basketball in years. The fact that they're there, you know, it's real fun. I have to ask you both, what are the odds that they, they, they do it, they pull it off, and for each of you, what's the scenario? Like, give me the, the wins that you see if it happens, or if you don't see it happening, what's the scenario, what, what goes wrong? So I would put the odds of Northwestern making the tournament right now I know Jay Bylas and Joe Lunardi are very high on the team, and it's all a buzz on Twitter. But I would put the odds right now at about 15%, 20%. Okay. Um, I, am, right. I am very cynical about this team and what it can do, especially with the way the Bryant McIntosh is playing right now. Um, I, heard, I did hear he shaved the beard, so we might get a different look against Minnesota tonight. You know, going the Trey Demps route, shaving, Good. Good. trying to <laughs> break the slump. Um, but if I think one of my favorite mojo moves of all time, <laughs> just just throw that out there. Yeah, so I think um, so they're twelve and three. Uh, I think they have sixteen games left. They've played two in conference. conference. Yeah, so sixteen yeah. left. So and they're one and one. So sixteen games. I'd say they have to win ten of the remaining. No, at least ten of the remaining. So like eleven or twelve. They'd have to get to 23 or 24 wins to make the tournament, to guarantee themselves a spot in the tournament. Let me try to break it down like this. Sure. I hope this is coherent. I'm sure it will be. It might not be. As you said, Max, 16 games left in the conference season. Mm -hmm. Five of those, they will be strict underdogs against Indiana twice, Purdue twice, Wisconsin. Yep. Two games against Rutgers, you expect to win both of those. That is that equals nine toss-up games where it could go either way. I think you've got to go five and four, maybe six and three in those games. So that gets you to nine conference wins if you won six of those. Then you got to figure you win one out of those five against Indiana, Purdue, Wisconsin. 
I think 10 and 8, 11 and 7 could get you in. But the non-conference schedule against multitude of teams with RPIs in the 300s, that is going to come back to bite yeah. them in a big way. It really might come down to if the selection committee feels that Northwestern should get into the tournament because it's the first time ever. I mean, <laughs> these aren't blind <laughs> resumes. The hashtag narrative. Exactly, and it is the does, hashtag narrative. Is there such thing now as quality losses that lost to Butler? I, does, does that, is that a thing at all or not at all? I don't buy too much into that. Um, uh, the committee doesn't either, for the right. They've said in the yeah. past. I mean, again, they're humans. There's a human element to this. You want to reward Northwestern as much as you possibly can, I'd imagine. But you look at wins, you don't look at close losses. Okay. Yeah. So like they've said it, in the like past. The, the Butler game would have been fantastic if they had It would look so, so great. Because Butler just beat Villanova, which is the number one yeah. team in the country. But the even though they just lost by two on that like the end like the last minute of the game, it's still a red mark on their record. So I would say twenty three wins would be the bare minimum. Not okay. inclu- not including the Big Ten tournament. Twenty three regular season wins. Just because there's so many mediocre teams in the Big Ten. Okay. I think twenty one probably gets you there. All right. You have twelve right now. You have those two wins against Rutgers. You have the nine toss-up games. Win six of those, you get to 20. You win one of those upset games. Two Indiana, two Purdue, one Wisconsin. You have five opportunities to pull off one upset, and it probably will come down to that one upset. That would get you to 21 wins. Probably well, get you in. there you have it. 21 or 23. We'll be we'll be keeping in touch with this team. Uh, I know Will Greer has a men's basketball podcast of his own weekly, so listen to that You know, if you're trying to stay tuned. I'd like to revisit these. Maybe not with you all, but on a laser sports verse after dark, just look back and see, you know, what, what ends up happening with the tournament. That being said, uh, let's move on to the college football playoff and the Rose Bowl. Two games, I thought, or three games. The Rose Bowl was great. It turned out the playoff was a little underwhelming. What, what were your thoughts on uh, the weekend in college football? We're talking about Saturday and Sunday. Me first. Yes. Did you give me a very polite gesture? Uh, My thoughts, the Rose Bowl was clearly the best of the three of these games. Um, The Alabama-Washington game, just so freaking predictable. Jake (laughs) Browning is an awesome quarterback. He's been an awesome quarterback all year. But when you don't have time to pass the ball, you're not going to beat Alabama. They were maybe half as good as they can be in that game. And that might be generous. Lane Kiffin clearly wasn't there now in hindsight because he was let go a couple days after. Saban said, we don't want you being the OC of this team if you're not going to be all in. Jalen Hurts was horrible. They still cruised. I don't know what to say about the Ohio State-Clemson game. I think it's fun that there's a rematch now of the national title because last year was really, really fun. But that was just a pathetic, pathetic showing from Urban Meyer's squad. Something I didn't think we'd see from an Urban Meyer coach team. You feel like I, I with Urban, Ohio you're always State there. I was a little overrated. I did too. Yeah, but but aside from the point. Philly sports fan? Yes, I am a Philly sports fan. I will admit that. Although, I wasn't rooting for Penn State necessarily, but I didn't like either of those teams <laughs> in the Rose Bowl. But it turned out to be a great game. Max, what were your thoughts on just, I thought, you know, a Rose Bowl for the ages? Well, the Rose Bowl was very exciting, but it was really long. Yeah, I was like four and a half hours. <laughs> it, it was it was so long. Like I was watching I was watching in my apartment with Michael Stern, our esteemed Supreme Sports Leader, director, whatever you want to call it. Um but like 
at at one point, like we were we were just like, okay, we have to go get dinner, so we went to Chili's during the game. Um, it was very exciting um, at the beginning because Penn State screwed up a lot, and I can't really stand Penn State because of you know all of their issues. Um, but uh, the USC comeback was particularly impressive. Um, the playoff games were extremely boring. Um, they weren't. They weren't. They were a bit different in the fact, in the sense that they weren't long, but they felt long. Yeah. Um, Ohio State getting shut out by Clemson and Washington. I think Washington. Yeah, Washington had under 200 yards, and Ohio State had like 210 yards. So not a great showing for the the losing teams. But I wanted to ask you a question, Will. Yeah. Um, based on the outcome of these playoff games, would you have rather seen USC or Penn State in the playoff, considering how well they played in the Rose Bowl? I think it's easy to say yes. Uh, I don't think we can necessarily compare the quality of the game at the Rose Bowl game to the quality of the games in the college football playoff. It's easy now to say these two teams look so even. They look so awesome, both near 500 yards of offense. Why didn't they make it to the college football playoff? I think the committee got it really right this year, and I think that's evidenced by the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of banter on ESPN the next day about teams that got snubbed and what should have been. Ohio State clearly deserved to be in based off of their resume. The committee has said time and time again, you schedule tough non-conference games, you heighten your strength of schedule, we're going to put you into the playoff. It's exactly what happened to Ohio State this year in playing uh, Oklahoma. And who else did they play? They played another big-time team. Penn State simply did not do that, and USC has three losses to its name. You just can't put those two teams in. Um so I don't think it should have been changed. Do you think one of those two teams should have been in the four? Um, no, I would agree with you. Um, I just uh, I knew Alabama was going to dominate Washington. I didn't think Ohio State was going to get steamrolled by Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we we obviously have to say that Clemson and Alabama are the two teams that deserve to be in the national championship. Yeah, and that's what you're yeah. trying to do all along. You obviously want to get the, the four right, but you want to put the two teams in that have the greatest chance to make it to the end, if that makes any sense. I think we clearly have the two best teams in college football playing for the championship. And just to go back really quickly to Ohio State's um, non-con schedule, they did just play Oklahoma on the road. That was their, their big win. But they beat Michigan at home, despite the fact that it was a bit of a controversial game. And the Penn State loss at State College was an extremely, extremely flukish loss. I would have hated to see Penn State get into the playoff just because they blocked a couple field goals <laughs> and returned them for touchdowns. It's the only way Penn State wins that game mm-hmm. against Ohio State. Yeah. And it would be kind of a travesty in my mind that they would get in because a couple of special teams plays. Not to take anything away from their upset win of Ohio State, but it was extremely, extremely flukish. Yes, well, well said. So now, you know, we have a little bit of time. Please break down this Bama-Clemson game. You know, will it live up to last year's pretty pretty awesome title game? And does Clemson have, you know, a punching chance, a fighter's chance to, to take down, you know, what this defense is just so ridiculous? I don't think so. <laughs> um, Alabama is just so utterly dominant on defense. 
Um, they uh, Clemson, they played them really close last year. They got out to that early lead. Uh, Alabama tied the game, uh, retook the lead, and then Clemson again with uh, coming back. It was a very back and forth affair late in the game. Um, but the final score for the la for last year was forty five forty. It's a bit deceiving because Clemson got that backdoor cover at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Alabama, I would say performed a bit better than the close score indicates. So I really don't. I would say Alabama has like a 75% chance, 80% chance. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, maybe even higher, 85%, 90%. Last year, it was kind of surprising, I think, that this game ended up being a track meet. Alabama's offense was certainly game to just outscore Clemson. That's kind of what it did down the stretch, made a couple defensive plays. I don't necessarily think we're going to see that this year. Las Vegas has set the over-under at just 51 points wow. with Alabama as a 6.5-point favorite. <laughs> so that, what, puts it at about a 28-21 kind of game, 29-22-ish. What was the spread? 6.5, six Alabama. Six okay. But that does seem a little bit high for a national championship game, but if you've been following the spreads all season, I have been for better or for worse. I won't admit anything else on the mm. podcast. They've been two touchdown favorites, if not more, in pretty much every game they've played this year. That includes games against a top 10 Texas A&M team, a road game at a top 15 Tennessee team. So the fact that it is just six and a half, I think, points to the fact that Vegas isn't so, so confident that Alabama is going to run away with this one. I think the fact that Lane Kiffin has now been ousted as offensive coordinator to go move on with his job at FAU might be the perfect storm for Clemson to pull this upset. You figure the only way to beat Alabama is to get them a little bit uh, off their hinges, which is kind of what's happened right now with Steve Sarkeesian taking over the offensive coordinating duties. If the Alabama offense isn't able to move the ball against a Clemson defense that looked pretty good against Ohio State, I think that's the only way Clemson uh, wins this game is if Jalen Hurts is just inept and it continues to turn it over the ball. We'll see, though. Alabama could certainly win 42-20, to 20 and just continue this dynasty, which in my mind is creeping up on the UConn women's basketball dynasty. And it's um, Austin Miller now waves the finger at me. As we shut the door on him. He's not part of the podcast. <laughs> I need to explain myself. Not in total wins, not in notoriety maybe, but this is a sport in college football that is so, so much more even in terms of the playing field, in terms of the amount of talent that's out there. It's always been even. There's never really been a dynasty like this in college football other than Bear Bryant's teams back in the 70s. The fact that Alabama has been able to do this so consistently, I think three or four really dominant years of college football equals a decade and a half of women's basketball just based off the sports as a whole. It's absolutely stunning what they've been able to do, and this national championship would cap it off, and again, I think certainly infringe on what UConn has done in women's basketball. Are you saying that the lack of parity in women's basketball is bad for the sport? I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Call me... When Alabama wins 100% of their games for four straight years, Austin Miller out. They're close. There you have it, Austin Miller joining but, but, the but podcast. But it's not, it's not comparable. You cannot just compare these two sports apples to apples. We all know that there's no competitive balance in women's basketball, not to take anything away from Geno and those UConn Huskies, 
but if there are only 10 women on the same kind of level in terms of talent and UConn gets five or six of them every year, then yeah, you're going to be able to form a dynasty like you have. There are hundreds of players that are very similar doesn't in talent it, level. Doesn't it speak to Gino Ariema's skills as a, recruiter, as a recruiter, though, to get those five or six every year? Sure, but once you establish that dynasty, you're always going to get those players. There's never been... Yeah, well, Al- Alabama doesn't, like... It's a different talent pool. Like if there, if you say there's ten people, like Gino Ariama has to start with something. If he started with getting five or six every year, Alabama didn't start with getting five or six or fifty or sixty percent every year. Sure, it's impressive, but we've never seen anything like this before. I mean, there's so many talented players going to all kinds of programs throughout the country. I mean, you line up Clemson and Alabama t- talent-wise, and there's a chance that Clemson has more talent on their side, but Alabama just coaches them up. It's all about the program. I mean, Nick Saban is an absolute wizard. I think that's been proven time and time again, and I truly do not hesitate to say that I think Alabama's dynasty is infringing on UConn's. Not that either one of them probably cares that the other is close to one another, but I think that's the reality at this point, and I wouldn't be surprised one bit if Alabama rolls in this game. Well, there you have it. Uh, seems like it's going to be a lopsided affair. We hope otherwise. But uh, now moving on from college football to NFL football, it's time for the playoffs. Wild card. I believe none of us have teams in the playoffs from the teams we support. Eagles, Vikings, Jets. Vikings. 0-3. I don't support the Vikings. Vikings. Oh, you don't? No, I don't. Sorry. Do you have an NFL team? I don't do Not not really. Not NFL. So, all right. Well, 0-2. 0-2. Looks to be one of the worst uh, opening rounds in, uh, I am so in history. I so excited for some of these games. Uh, let's break it down. Uh, we got some really fun matchups. Uh, let, let's talk about it. Starting with Saturday afternoon, <laughs> Raiders, Raiders at Texans. Texans. Let's, uh, let's get into it. Connor Cook versus Brock Osweiler. The matchup of the century. I am so excited for this game. Oh, my God. I... I Kind of wish that Derek Carr was still here so he could, like, one of the league's best offenses against the league's best defense. That would be kind of the overlying theme. But Connor Cook versus Brock Osweiler has the makings of an all-time NFL playoff game. It is going to be extremely fun and extremely funny to watch. The folks over at ESPN have just got to be elated that they got this matchup. I mean, they always get the best of the four on this opening weekend. A lot of sarcasm in that statement, if you can't. <laughs> Slash S. Slash S. <laughs> the over-under for this, 36 and a half. Houston's Ooh, favored by three and a half love points. It. Do it's you like take the over r- or the under? That's i got to take the under. That's like a Jets-Rams <laughs> like Jets under, over-under. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Jets-Rams, by the way, finished with a final score. Rams 9, Jets 6. Jets Rams nine six. Mike cut off. Brutal. Mike got cut off for a second. Brutal. Really bad. This has <laughs> over under thirty six yeah. and a half. Got to take the under on that one. Sportsverse After Dark's official over under. What did we set it at? Twenty five. Thirteen seven. Yeah. Final. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds 13, real good. Seven. That sounds real good. With, with the way the Texans have been in the playoffs the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. They don't get to play the Bengals though. They do not get to play the Bengals. So it might be a, t- a tad tougher. Although Just brutal. the Raiders, I, f- I feel terrible for any and all Raiders fans because Derek Carr was so good this year. I really wanted to see a Raiders-Patriots AFC championship game, especially with all the history between those two teams. 
when the Raiders last made the playoffs, you know, with the yeah. the tuck rule mm-hmm. game, that kind of stuff, in the snow, Vinatieri's last second field goal. But got got to ride with Connor Cook. You really feel for the Raiders too that they don't get to at the very least play a home game with Connor Cook to yep. finish twelve and four yep. to have this season where they were always go to the, the nine and seven Texans at Reliance I mean, Stadium. It's just brutal. I don't know if we need to get into the the debate of how unfair this is and if the NFL should change it up. How much should you reward a division winner when that division is the AFC South? <laughs> but you do feel for the Raiders <laughs> and those fans that. Yeah, you lost your potential MVP quarterback, but on top of that, you have to travel to go take on like the most boring, good team in the NFL, if they are even good at 9-7. and seven. Just tough that they don't get a home game. Uh, and Connor Cook on the road at Houston. I will say, having the league's best, best defense does count for something, even if yeah. you're only 9-7. and seven. 2009, my New York Jets, league's best defense, snuck into the playoffs at 9-7 and seven as the, I believe it was the sixth seed, uh, beat the Bengals. No, they, they were the five seed. The Ravens were the six seed. They beat the Bengals on the road um, after the Bengals let them win in Week 17 to try and get an easier team <laughs> to play. They beat them on the road. Then they beat the 14 and two Chargers. Unbelievable in Qualcomm Stadium. That's an underrated little development there from yeah. 2009. Rex Ryan. A year we'll never remember, never forget. We will never forget. With friends, we will remember. <laughs> Making, making memories. Making memories is what it's all about. Heart emoji. Lions Seahawks. This could be a fun game. Uh, it could be. Could be. It could be. It could be. The Lions. The Lions always manage to play close games, at least this year. Yeah. Um. I think they were. They had like eight fourth quarter comebacks this year, but only because they were trailing in the fourth quarter in every game they played. Um. And they were only trailing by like three points or four points. Um, but at Seattle is going to be a very tall task. I know Seattle's not as elite as they have been in recent years. They were only 10-5-1 this year, if uh-huh. I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, because they, they almost lost to San Francisco at the end of the season. Um, but I would definitely take the Seahawks in this game. Yeah, They're 8-1 and one at home this year. Yeah. Eight and one or seven? I've got seven, seven and one. one. Sorry, I don't know why I said eight and one. That's fine. The, the one loss to Arizona, be. right? <laughs> the one loss to Arizona. Uh, they seem, they seem to lose to Arizona yeah. every time yeah. they play them. Yeah. Um, yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, and then they tied Arizona in in Arizona, Arizona. right? The six six tie. I the Seahawks team, you know, at the beginning of the year looked pretty good. You know, their defense really good still, but their offensive line is actually. Really terrible, and it's no secret, no surprise. They are the had the least amount of money allocated to their offensive line in the league. The next closest team, the Giants, have more than double that money allowed. Uh, it's like six million. The Seahawks do, and uh, I don't know if the, the Lions have good enough of a defense to take advantage. But Ezekiel Ansah is going to pressure Russell Wilson a lot. I think if the Seahawks want to do anything in the playoffs, Russell Wilson needs to turn into Harry Houdini, and he's done it before. <laughs> He's an escape artist, but he needs to really just make plays happen. And their defense, you know, without Earl Thomas, frankly, just isn't the same. The on-off splits are really bad. They're maybe the maybe the Seahawks figure that because Russell Wilson is so good at making escape acts <laughs> that they don't need to invest in offense. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's. I mean, play, play honestly, advocate. honestly, that's probably a lot of their thinking when you think about it. But still, they <laughs> what, what were they going to do with their running game? I don't know. Yeah. I think Who, we who's all, their running back? Is it Rawls? Is he back? Uh, 
it is Rawls. It's Rawls. Procise is out. Just let Michael go. Yeah. Now he's helping out the Packers. So. No Procise. No Michael. Who's their backup then? I don't remember. That's a good question. Ladamian Tomlinson. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. You know. You know. You heard the name. Yeah. I think all three of us in this room know exactly what's going to happen in this game. Lions are three and five on the road this year. Seahawks, as we mentioned before, are seven and one. Yeah. There's no freaking way Seahawks, Se- Seahawks will win by two scores. And it's going to be snowing apparently from this AccuWeather update on ESPN.com. It's going to be snowing. It's a night game at CenturyLink Field. Lions have lost three straight. I mean, this Jeez. is. I would say it's the most predictable of the four games this weekend. But then I look down at the scoreboard and see. A Ryan Tannehill-less Miami Dolphins team going to Pittsburgh. Well, Matt Moore has been well, terrible. Hang on there a second. Matt Moore is probably the most underrated backup quarterback in the NFL. If we were to compile a list of backup quarterbacks, Tony Tony Romo would like a word. Oh, he's not underrated. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. If, if we, Matt Schaub. Is Matt Schaub underrated. Matt Schaub is a pick six machine and should not be on any list of good things ever. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the. Uh, I have had um, post-traumatic stress disorder from Matt Moore specifically with the knocking the Jets out of the playoffs in 2011. Uh-huh. Um, I believe it was Week 17. The Jets were 8-7. and seven. They needed a win and three other teams to lose to make the playoffs. Um, they were up in the, fourth qu- in the third quarter. Matt Moore led the Dolphins on a 21-play drive that ended in a touchdown <laughs> where the Dolphins were 6-for-6 six six on third down. So it's incredible. Yikes! I have no no pity for Matt Moore. I respect him as a competitor. All right, very mature of you. I still think the Steelers are going to win. Yeah, I do too. They're ten point favorites, which is the largest of the four spreads this weekend. Ten points in the NFL is a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The Steelers' defense isn't great. Miami defense is okay, but I don't think they can stop Bell and Brown. Steelers offense is so good. Yeah. Todd Haley is yeah. like a Dumbledore yeah. of offense. I mean, this is like the Lions-Seahawks game, and you just wonder, I'm wondering to myself, what is the recipe for either the Lions or the Dolphins to win this weekend? Like, I cannot envision Turnovers. Turnovers, yeah. Turnovers. If, they, if, the, if the Dolphins want to win, they need to have three or Force four Force Russell Wilson yep. into bad throws by getting pressure. Russell I'm talking about the the Lions. Oh, Lions. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I, thought, I thought we were still on Dolphins. No, series. I mean in the same same type of way as you know Big Ben. Sometimes he has those off nights. You never know. Turn into a a slog. You know when you think that when you think about it, Pittsburgh's offense isn't made for playing in Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know it's gonna be 20 degrees. Yeah. So it's doable. And then of course, you know, undisputed game of the week. Uh, Giants, great defense. Eli Manning, Super Bowl winning quarterback. OBJ heading into Lambeau against the run the table six wins in a row Green Bay Packers should be a fun one gonna be cold what what, what should we expect the Giants defense has been absolutely on fire um, towards the end of the year uh, their offense has completely I was about to say something I can't say on the radio <laughs> but I don't know if we can say it on a podcast um, let's just say that their offense is uh, in the garbage can, um, <laughs> I have a lot of you. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of uh, Giants fans back home um, who are s- 
very, very fed up with the Giants' offense, as New York fans tend to get fed up very quickly about things. Their patience is <laughs> atrocious. Um, Imagine being mine, a Knicks fan. Yeah, mine include uh, the Knicks are. Don't get me started on the Knicks. Um, but the Giants, I think that the, their jo- the Giants' defense is good enough to win this game. But if that ends up happening, it's going to be ugly. Giants are yeah. built for cold weather. Now, I hate to bring the weather into it so much, but you know, playoff game things on the margins matter. Packers are not built for cold weather. Aaron Rodgers is going to be airing the ball out. Things could go wonky. And Eli, you know, he's kind of not been great. But one explosive play to Shepard, Cruz, and obviously Beckham, you know, they could they could do it. And Eli's won two pretty memorable games in Lambeau in his career. I think Hail the Giants Hakeem. win this game. This just feels like, to me, a game yeah. in which the Giants can succeed for all the reasons we've we mentioned. Could they be the most underrated team in the NFL? You can't, you it's can't, hard you to cannot, say they're underrated. You but. cannot underrate the New York Giants in the playoffs. When they run the table in the playoffs against the 18-0 and Patriots, and then when they were uh, dead on the water with Tom Coughlin about yeah. to be fired at 7-7 seven and seven in 2011, winning the last two games of the regular season, and then beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl again, you cannot underrate the Giants in the playoffs. I don't know what it is about the Giants, and I don't want the Giants to win the Super Bowl. I hate being a Jets fan who always has to look up to these Giants fans who somehow pull a championship out of their butts every year, every four <laughs> years. But I, I can't see the Packers winning this game. It could happen, and you know, if Aaron Rodgers does his own wizardry, yeah, you know, they're hot. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a big believer in momentum in sports because statistically. We know it doesn't exist, but at the same time, you know, things happen in the playoffs. Things happen in the playoffs. Joe Flacco definitely thinks momentum is a real thing. <laughs> the Giants do, too. So, I don't know. The The good news is the Packers' run defense is really good, and the Giants don't have a running game. So, they know it's going to be Eli throwing on the Packers. That, that the, was uh, <laughs> Tom Coughlin's old strategy. Just run the ball up the middle. Third and 15, run the ball up the middle. First and short. First and short, that doesn't make sense. First and 10, whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't know what Green Bay can specifically do, uh, but offensively they're just going to find a way to to break the, the pass rush. And if they can get 100 <laughs> yards on the ground from Ty Montgomery, they're going to be in really good shape to win. I will say that. The problem is I don't know how much this guy, you know, he, he had a few good games, how much he can get going on the ground. Because once the Giants turn the Packers one-dimensional, the fight becomes a lot harder for Aaron Rodgers when that pass rush is in his face every play. 100 yards from Montgomery on the ground or 100 total? On the ground. Or 100 from him and whoever else is back there. Michael, maybe. Giants by field goal. Okay. I'd say Giants by a touchdown. The other thing is... Low scoring. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay wide receivers have been great this year. Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson. Yeah. Career years. For, for really Adams. good. Yeah. For Nelson. Nelson, not a career year, yeah. but comeback year, really, for him. Yeah. But uh, Giants secondary is also great. Janoris Jenkins. Is Jenkins going to be in? Didn't he miss the last he, game? He, he did miss. Uh, rookie Eli Apple. I love Eli Apple. Real fun. I don't like the Giants, but I love Eli Apple. <laughs> I don't know. I, I agree with you if the Giants win this game, but I don't like it. I don't like picking against Aaron Rodgers at home, but hey. It's happened before. It's happened before. Well, the Packers were 15-1. and one. 
So there you have it. Those are our NFL picks for week one. I think we're going to skip the talk about the rest of the playoffs. We'll leave that for later. I'm okay, sure good. we've visited. I, I didn't want to talk about Tom Brady on this podcast. Yeah, me neither. So. Or the Cowboys. Or the uh, Well, you guys I like the might be fine. I hate the Cowboys. Yeah. Sorry, all Cowboys listeners. Go Andy Reid. We love you in Philly. Chiefs all the way. <laughs> so there you Greer have it. First. There you <laughs> have it. Chiefs all the way. Will Greer. Uh, with that being said, let's move on to the lightning round. First one of season three. It's a big one. Uh, we go back to Friday, but there's a lot of midweek stuff in here. Austin Miller, I think he wants to sit in on this lightning round, so I'm going to let him in. Sure. just for. Can you, can you explain the rules? I'm not exactly so, sure. Refresh on the rules for you and any new listeners. It's a sports news quiz. I'm sure you understood that much. Mm. There's two sets of ten questions that increase in difficulty and value. Two sets of ten questions? So, what, yeah. one, so one set of ten for each okay. of you. And so in those set of questions, there are three easy questions worth a point. Okay. Three medium questions worth two points. Three hard questions worth three points. Mm-hmm. And a Philly sports special, oh. which is worth four. Okay. Philly sports specials are notoriously obscure. As but like if you Google know them, if you know them, probably guarantee you a, a win. Usually, not always. There are also two goodies. In the first set of questions, there is the Landon Donovan question of the week. In, <laughs> okay. the, in the second <laughs> set of questions, there is the rapper question of the week. I'm not going to get that one. So, you know how it goes. You rock, paper, scissors to decide who wants to go first. I know Will Greer has a glint in his eye when he heard about Landon Donovan. That's all, that's all you need to know. So he, he might be thirsty for that question. Benefits to being Spad Athlete of the Year, I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. So here you go. It's one. No, no best two out of three. One, two, three. Okay, so Max Gelman with the scissors. I Do will you, go second. You will go second. <laughs> Taking the rapper question, Will Greer has the Landon Donovan question of the week in his court. Let's get it started laptops off. Laptops away. Laptops away, right? Yes, laptops away. That's fine. Wait, First, pick, wait, picking second means I get the rapper question? Yes. Oh. Okay, yeah, let, let's do that then. All right, all right. It's you more got... fun when I don't know it. All right, all right. So starting off with an easy question, I think you know this one. Who scored both goals for Tottenham in their 2-0 defeat of Chelsea on Wednesday? Dele Ali. Am I pronouncing that right? No. Not at all. Dele Ali. Dele Ali. Dele Ali. Max Gelman, another Tottenham fan in the room. We were overjoyed at that game. That was that an is awesome correct. game. I yeah. gave him that a question. match, even. <laughs> Thank you. It was not, call. in fact, Harry Winks who it was scored not. twice. Let it be known, I will bleed my biases over into this podcast. Harry Winks should not be playing for Tottenham Hotspur. Next easy question, who won the Sugar Bowl defeating Auburn? Boomer Sooner, Oklahoma. That is correct. Two points, Will Greer. Next easy question, uh, who beat the number one ranked team in college basketball on Wednesday? Butler. Thank you for your emphasis. Three of three at easy. That's how you do it, Will Greer. On to the medium questions. Gets a little harder. Who won the NHL Winter Classic on Monday? The St. Louis Blues. All right, there you have it. Five points. Next medium question. That is correct. Medium question. I think this is, you can also get this. Who won the NFL receiving yard title this year? Receiving yard title. Odell Beckham Jr. Nope. This was T.Y. Hilton. Wow. Shocker because, you know, not a lot of news. You know, it was a lot more on yeah. Tony O'Brown, OBJ, wow. 
Julio Jones, good but question. okay, that's so a top toughie. five. That's a good medium. Yeah, here's a medium question that I actually told you the answer to before your broadcast on Tuesday night. Let's see your memory retention. Which Sixer hit a game-winning alley-oop layup against the Timberwolves on Tuesday night? Robert Covington. That is correct. I paid attention to every word you ever <laughs> said toward me. Wow. Thank you, Will. clear those waters. <laughs> Seven points now. Good haul, but here comes the hard ones. <laughs> Uh, which tennis player was upset by 19-year-old Alexander Zverev on Wednesday? Roger Federer. All right, correct. Nice. Ten points. Wilger doing really well. I'm sweating it out already. I'm upset at myself that I gave him the Tottenham question. Yeah. Dele uh, Ali. <laughs> here's the next hard one. Who hit the game-winning field goal to win the Rose Bowl? Nick Novak? No. I'm kidding. I don't know the guy's <laughs> name. This is Matt Bormeister. Who cares? Kicker for USC. For the oh. record, that's Bormeister yes. on ESPN Deportes, which is where I watch the game. Okay. Uh, here's the Landon Donovan question of the week. Max Skelman, you made a fatal mistake. I know that Will Greer knows this question. And I did not make this knowing that he would know it, but I know now that he knows it. <laughs> Which MLS club was rumored to have offered Landon Donovan a two-year deal to unretire after retiring for the second time already? Real Salt Lake. I don't know how you know that. It might have something to do with Austin Miller over here. We had a chat before the podcast, I think it's fair to say. Okay, you gave him some help. I knew it before that. I have MLB so, free kicks on my on-demand, <laughs> whatever it's called. Thir- 13 points. Three extra kicks. <laughs> extra kicks. 13 points for Will Greer. He can get 17 if he gets this. It's about the Flyers. After Steve Mason lost four games in a row for the Philadelphia Flyers, who took over in net and lost 5-2 to the Rangers for the fifth game in a row? Mike Madonna. You had the first name, but it was Michael Newberth. <laughs> so, incorrect. Did you think I was going to answer correctly once you heard Mike? <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> uh, I of excitement. 13 points, Will Greer. Really impressive. That's, you know, one of the higher end totals we get on the show. Yeah, you're Max Gellman has you. it all do to I do. Have there are no Tottenham questions. I hate to say it. Dele Ali. But I, you got you got someone here I think you can get. Let's start off with easy question. Who defeated Ronda Rousey in 48 seconds in the UFC on Friday? Chisel? Is that the last name? No, it was Amanda Nunez. All right, here's another one for you. <laughs> Who posted 53 points, 17 assists, and 16 rebounds for the most points in a triple-double against the Knicks on Saturday? It's James Harden. That is correct. That well one. done. NBA. Uh, here's, a, here's another easy question. I think you know this one. You know a lot about this sport. Which free agent returned for his second stint with the Oakland A's? Where's Matt McHugh when you need him? Yeah, where's Matt McHugh when you need him? Oh, is that Rajai Davis? Yes, that was correct. Okay. So two points for you. Well done. On to the medium questions. Who lost the Sun Bowl on Friday after failing to complete the game-tying two-point conversion? They're down by eight, drove all the way down the field, got a dramatic touchdown, but then lost the two-point conversion. Sun Bowl, so many bowl games. I can't keep This was against Stanford. Oh, then that's NC State. No! Oh, no! Oh, no! Emmett Malik voice! Oh, is it North Carolina? It was oh, North Carolina! No. Oh! Oh! NC State played. Uh, uh, I don't know. Vandy. Vanderbilt. Wow, okay. tough, tough miss there. 
That's all right. It's two points. Still, still in play. Medium question: Which NHL team is on a 16-game winning streak? The Columbus Blue Jackets. That is correct. Well done. So now we're at four points. I have to run the table. You got to run the right. table like Let's Aaron Rodgers. Here's Aaron a Rogers. soccer question for you. Okay. Who came back to earn a point, a draw, after conceding a three-goal lead to AFC Bournemouth on Tuesday? That would be Arsenal. Yes, correct. We do not like Arsenal here at this podcast. No, we do not. So, except for Nicholas Bender. Except for Nicholas Bender. He's okay. Six points now. So you need... You got I need this. three of the this. final four. But here's a real tough one. I have to tell you. Hard question. Who hit the buzzer beater game winner for Kansas Jayhawks on Tuesday night over Kansas State? He's got a great name. Is it Will Chamberlain? No. <laughs> Matha Lukas? Eh, close enough. <laughs> would you have, get, would would you have, get, yeah, would you have given Will Greer credit for that? <laughs> I might have. It's Svatyoslav Mikhailiuk. Yeah. Jeez. You knew it was some continent soup. Slovaki, whatever. <laughs> All right, so okay. still on six points. This is an NFL question. Gettable. Who led the NFL in sacks this season? Oh. Oh, oh, oh. I think I know this one. They were talking about it on... Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't remember who it was. We gotta get a last guess. I don't Hail remember. Mary. Uh, Khalil Mack. Close. Vic Beasley, Atlanta Falcon. Terrible defense, but the man got some sacks. Uh, so now you need these both to tie. To tie. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think I could tie. And All right, you have go. the rapper question of the week. Oh crap! We're going back to the Winter <laughs> Classic. Which St. Louis-based rapper? No idea. Performed pre-game no idea. at the Winter Classic. Nelly. Is it Nelly? That is correct. <laughs> Austin Miller with the boost to make things interesting. <laughs> I just want the podcast listeners to be entertained. Well, you whispered right in front of the microphone. That was also the first rapper of the week question I've ever known. Wow, well so. done. Led Bob Costas to making a terrible, it's getting hot in here, so let's take off all our pads joke. Yeah. Wow. Just leave for that one. All right, so for the tie... Philly Sports Special, who caught two interceptions from former Eagle Mark Sanchez in the 27-13 win in Week 17? Now, if you don't know that question, I will give you an alternate Philly Sports Special if you so choose to take it. Can you tell me who the Eagles played? The Cowboys. Cowboys. That's why I said former Eagle Mark Sanchez. But Former Eagle. This player that made... Oh, right, right. He's on the Cowboys now. Yes. So the Eagles made the interceptions. Yeah. Okay. He made two of them... If you don't know, I can give you another Philly sports special about the Eagles. It might be harder. About the Eagles? It is about the Eagles. Two interceptions made by the Eagles against Mark Sanchez, who I loathe. Uh, I don't even know who plays in the secondary. Give me the other one. All right. The answer to this one was Jordan Hicks. Here's the last one. That. 2013, Eagles are driving down the field. Game's almost over. They mm-hmm. score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. First career NFL rushing touchdown for this newly minted Philadelphia Eagle. Do you know his name? Newly minted. First career. First career touchdown. They picked him up like last week. <laughs> Good luck. Swung a lot of fantasy championships, I'll tell you that much. 
just want to make sure I have everything. 2013. All right, Sherlock. <laughs> you can do it. Tw- 20, 2013. Last minute pickup? Or was... The game was 20 to 13. The game was... They oh. won 27 to 13. Oh, that was this week. Yes. Oh, I, I thought, thought it was. I thought you were saying. Wow, like four sorry. Years ago. I must have been crazy. No. Okay. You gotta give him a third one. Gotta give no, him a third. No, I don't one. have a third one. <laughs> the union did something, didn't they? So it well, was... they did. The union <laughs> signed the brother of <laughs> of Gregorio Winaldum to their yeah, team. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's the brother's name. <laughs> so it, it, it was. It was this. This past Hold week. on, I want to find this out just for my own records. So it was this past week. Yes, yeah, so it was this past week. week newly 17. minted Philadelphia Eagle scored his first career touchdown. Newly minted Philadelphia Eagle. I might was have it a given, rushing touchdown? Or it a was a rushing touchdown. touchdown. I might have given you a hint just in one of the things. I Oh, his brother's name is Gilanio Wijnaldum. Yeah, I is. saw the union sign <laughs> G. Wijnaldum and I got really excited. <laughs> Line him up next to El Senio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Newly minted Eagles running back. Just take a sh- stab in the dark. Mm. I gave you a hint. Career. I gave you a hint when I said Sherlock, but oh, oh, oh wow, 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 wow! Also, do you know? Uh, I've seen the name. I do oh, not know okay. the name off the top of my head. Just, just go for it. Just go for it. Sherlock Brown. Sherlock Brown. Nope. It was Terrell. Watson. Oh, see, I get the Sherlock. Tough mentioned. one there. Is there a tiebreaker? Or do we just? Uh, if there's a tiebreaker, I pull Philly sports specials out of my head. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what happens. Never had to get there. So Will Greer takes home the lightning round after some help with the Landon Donovan question of the week. I got help well with the done. Question. But help with the rapper question. I get three points to to each each yeah. to each player. So yeah. considering that Will Greer still won by three or by four. By four. Great game. Well played. Uh, this was the start of Sports vs. After Dark Season 3. Doesn't get better than that. Austin Miller, I don't know how you let us do it, but we're here. You know, to be honest, until I walked into the studio today, I didn't even know Season 3 was <laughs> happening. So, you can keep doing your thing, Amit. I'll tell you that much. As long as you can fly under the radar, as long as the <laughs> FCC doesn't shut you down, it's your podcast. There you have it. Still uh, angry I gave Will the Tottenham question. Dele Ali. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. I'm a bit Malik. Thanks to Will Greer, Max Gelman, great podcast. Special guest appearance from Austin Miller. Thanks for listening. This has been Sports Voice After Dark. Go Cats! <laughs> <laughs>